Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to your Wednesday evening and welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong and you're listening to Independence Day, the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Eugene Edwards and his crack band. Edwards is a Los Angeles-based songwriter, indie pop journeyman, performer, guitarist, vocalist, actor, radio personality, and consummate frontman who leads his eponymous Eugene Edwards band. Eugene and his band espouse a Springsteen-esque work ethic combined with an Elvis Costello pop sensibility. If you haven't seen an Edwards and his crack band play a live show, make haste and do so at once. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to Independence Day. And this, we've got Eugene, we've got Davey, Mich- Michelle, Michelle, rather, on bass. Welcome, sir. Oh, thanks, Joe. Good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> He's very suit. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm not prepared. laughs> well, anyway. And this, we've got uh, Mike Soupy Sessa on drums. Also, welcome, Mr. Sessa. Thanks, Joe. Nice to see you. It's awesome. It's great to have you guys here. Uh, you've got a new record coming out. You've got new faces in your band. You've got the same old stalwart faces in your band. It's, it's just great to see you. It's great to... <laughs> I didn't know cameras were going to be here, and so you're clean-shaven. You're looking pretty and shiny, and then we just showed up thinking radio. radio at least Dave and I did. Eugene, that's that's the second time today you've called me pretty. I'm, I'm not just sure saying, what to, well, what it's, a sh- it's showbiz, babe. Just don't relax. And so so now I'm, I'm completely self-conscious, and normally I wouldn't be, and, and it's a whole mess. But but uh, uh, yeah, we've, Soupy and I have been, Soupy was the first guy in the band, and I called him, actually I booked a couple of shows. And I didn't have a band yet. And this was in what the late 1870s. God, this was this was just Lincoln wasn't even cold yet. Yeah. So yeah, no, I don't know. It was oh, about man. 10 years ago. No, I don't know. It was about 10 years ago. And I booked some gigs, and I and then I saw Soupy at a party. We were actually watching a boxing match at a friend's house, and I said, "I'm going to call you for some gigs." And he said, "All right, go ahead." And and I and, dare you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go try <laughs> it. I accept that challenge. And, uh, and and he's been captive ever since. And and uh, and then Davey, uh, we met maybe four years ago. Uh, he called me up. He's got a great band, the Neighborhood Bullies. Right. And fantastic band. Uh, just a killer rock band. Our, our people are in negotiations with their people to get them on Independence Day as you well. Should. They're a very independent band. And uh, and so then it was sort of like, hey, you know, he asked me, can you play guitar in the Bullies? And uh, I said, well, can you play bass in my band? So we kind of worked off a of barter. So it's like way. Spinal Tap. You said, you know, might as well join up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, and then we normally have our good friend Brian Whelan with us, and, and uh, you've had Brian on your show. He'll play, he'll play guitar, he'll play keys, he'll substitute on bass. He once substituted on drums for Soupy when Soupy had a gig somewhere. So, uh, and then also our friend John Hoskinson, who actually had tickets to go see a crossdresser tonight. And... Uh, <laughs> At the Hollywood Bowl, I'm going to call that guy and give him hell. Eddie Izzard, and uh, and so he couldn't make it. So we're the it's the trio, which is rare for us. It's funny whenever we do a trio gig, it's it's really hard work. It's just so much more work, right? Especially for the front guy because you're playing guitar and you're unless you're Sting, I guess, you're playing bass. But in your case, you're playing guitar and you're playing rhythm guitar. You're you're singing lead. lead, You're playing solos. You're imagining harmonies that aren't there in your head. And and usually I'm doing some sleight of hand, some card tricks, things like that. Uh, and, and then after you finish it, and other musicians come and say, oh, man, I just love just love trios. You notice they never go out as a trio. It's always right. like five or six guys. Well, they're just happy that someone else is doing it. That's the point. Yeah. So, so, uh, so we're going we're gonna to give it like a kind of a power trio 
treatment to a lot yeah, of the songs. And tonight. we're gonna have you guys playing live in just a few minutes. Again, for the like the third time, I couldn't be happier to have you guys here. You brought the band. That's fantastic. It's always a much more vibrant show yeah. and you've got the band. We've got the full volume experience of the Eugene Edwards band. It's still the Eugene Edwards band. That's what we right? call it. Yeah. The eponymous thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just like using that word. But, but so, today it's Eugene Edwards and the terrible twos. Very good. Well <laughs> yeah. Soupy, I was, gonna say, I was about to say you missed your chance for the like the, the cocktail drummer thing, but I think you probably you did the right you made the right that, choice. That usually happens after a joke. Oh, yeah. that's exactly my point. You, I set him up, you knock him down. Let's play something from the new record. This is a track from a Week of Sundays. This is the title track. Oh, correct? great! Yeah, this is, there's two versions of the song that are going to be on the album. One's an acoustic one. That sounds this, like a, that sounds like Radiohead, man. <laughs> it's very very much so. And and uh, this you're gonna hear the full band version that we did. Uh, and a good friend of ours, uh, Gia. Uh, is singing background vocals, very talented singer, and uh, so yeah, let it rip. Awesome. So we're looking forward to, to this, you know, seeing the light of day, which will be sometime before the end of the calendar year. We yeah. talked about this just a few minutes ago. Correct. So this is week of Sundays. When we come back, we'll have these guys play live. We'll talk a little bit more about the state of the music business, what it's like to be a musician in 2011, uh, what that kind of reality is like. So in the meantime, on Independence Day, this is week of Sundays. <laughs> Edwards, 
Week of Sundays from his upcoming record, also called Week of Sundays, which we will be seeing for the Christmas holiday gift giving and you know buying music purchasing season. Sure, and if not, what's going to happen? Really, yeah. honestly, what's the? I mean, David Geffen's <laughs> not going to come drag you out of bed. And I God, I hope not. Jesus, the last time he did that, man, yeah, he, he broke. Sonny Bono lost a wife. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was a joke and that got thank you very much. That always kills me the the Saturday Night Live skit where they've got that old guy back behind the kit and they're <laughs> doing that lounge act up front and the guy just does it at random times not when they set up jokes. <laughs> like, you know, they don't even have to do anything else in that skit because the rest of it kind of sucky, but that's but that's funny. It's a funny skit. So, so with that, we've got Eugene got Davey, Michelle, we've got Eugene, uh, Eugene, Mike Supicessa on drums. So these are the guys that played on that track. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the short answer, yes. The short answer is yes. I don't know yes. where to go with it. It's them. Uh, Brian's on piano. John's on rhythm guitar. Uh, I played some baritone guitar underneath Davey's bass. And it, that's the song. It, and that should be the big hit single, and you, I think. Well, I think you're right. And yeah. Davey, this, this one's for you. Were you were you channeling a specific uh, reggae bass player in that? Like, I, I always think of Aston Family Man Barrett as my, my favorite. Not him, but the guy from the Scottalites. Okay. That'll the, do The just dance fine. hall guy. Yeah. I don't know his name. Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I can roll with that. I, I don't know it either. Uh, so the other cool thing, so we've got the three guys who played on that. They, they played on pretty much the whole record, right? Well, this, this, this is pretty is, much the yeah, core of this, this is the core of the band. This is the core of the band. The the first album I did was essentially Soupy's on drums, and I'm pretty much on everything else because uh, we just didn't have a band at the time. Right. Uh, the second time around, it was really important to me that the album represent the show in some way, or that the band was on it. So, so we have a proper rhythm section, and, and Soupy and Davey. And then there's me, Brian, and John kind of playing, switching around playing a lot of guitar and keys and singing a lot of the harmonies. Uh, so the, the new album kind of, hopefully it, it's got this, it, it does. It has, it's a lot of different types of songs, but it's a very consistent tone because it's the same band. On yeah. Everything. And the recording process is so much different than it used to be. I mean, are you, did you, how much of this did you do in a studio? I mean, did you overdub at home too? Did all you, of it. Where, well, where did... yeah, it was all done. We, we uh, recorded the rhythm tracks uh, all together as a band uh, at studios over a couple of, a few nights. And uh, it was kind of broken up in three separate sessions. And then I would do my vocals and the guitar leads uh, generally at uh, the last studio, which is at my producer's studio, Dave Peterson, uh, who's kind of in the Glissell Park area. And that's where yeah. we, always, always, we always finish the albums there. Uh, so we'll do the overdubs there. But that's, that's it. Sort of like just cut some rhythm track, get the right take, um, you know, edit a take or two, uh, and then I'll sing and play over it. And hopefully we're... We're done. It really didn't take a long time to make this album at all, really. It, it was yeah. recorded very quickly. But with everyone's schedules, it was recorded over a long period of time. Yeah. And, of course, the release part of it, which is so mysterious to me now because of the changing industry correct that seems to be the holdup. although that could just be me being passive aggressive or yeah well other <laughs> other other things have happened in your life too along the way I, yeah you know? my wife and i we had a baby who's now three and a half right so along the way you, you know you made other projects you made other projects yeah that was a bigger production yeah exactly and uh and she's still being remixed right now too come think of it so it's <laughs> see yeah that, see there you go this is like attack. This it helps to have the same drummer all the way through. He's like, me the like whole attack. Way. This guy sharp <laughs> like a laser. So they, the, the way that make you know records are made, you know, have changed drastically. You know, this was all you didn't do any tape on this. This is all nonlinear pro Actually, tools, or did you do some of this to tape? This this will before the final master. This is going to hit tape, and okay. we did that for the first record too. But, but just I'm talking about tracking though was done. We tracked it to Pro Tools. Yeah, we tracked it to Pro Tools this time around. Although we have access to analog gear, we like to just kind of. 
Uh, it's it's a combination of both things. Yeah. You if you really wanted to, you could you could completely do an album like they used to. There's no reason why you can't. Honestly, if if you have if you've written your songs and you've got a band that's rehearsed and you it, yeah. if you know what you're doing, it, it can be spendy because now it's it's inverted. At one point, you know, digital recording was that's very right. expensive. And like I remember back in the '80s, like oh, Dire Straits is recording their new album completely digitally. The right. least actually on the CDs, they used to have like a DDD. Uh-huh. It was recorded digitally, it was mastered digitally, and it was really you know released digitally. So it was like a pure digital yeah, signal but, path. And only Fleetwood Mac and Dire Straits could afford that. Yeah, sort but that's of exactly that's what I mean. It probably cost three hundred thousand dollars to do it that way. That was just, you yeah. know, and I'm not even talking the catering budget or any of that stuff. Yeah, you know, Lin- Lin- Lindsay's cocaine alone. Jeez. <laughs> Indeed. So, you know, but now, you know, it's inverted. Now, you know, if you want a stack of two inch tape, you know, that's that can get pricey very, very quickly. That's true. That's very so, true. You know, but you know, it, it you can, it, technology, you can use its power for good. You can use it for evil. So, yeah, I've previewed the new record. Everything sounds great. So, that Thank there's you. a happy ending and I'm very much looking forward. I mean, I've got preview tracks, but I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, it's seeing the light of day. Yeah. Are you, you're, are you going to press CDs? Are you going to do that's, iTunes? That's are you going to do no vinyl in the, in the works? What's your, oh, what's your, what's your plan? Vinyl. Well, certainly iTunes first. I think it'll be available digitally first. That's most likely what's going to happen. Uh, we will probably, we will press up CDs, but not a huge number. It's funny because the manufacturers are always trying to lean on you saying, really, if you just, if you press 5,000, you save so much more money. But the problem is- If you print 40,000 of them, they're only a nickel a piece. Yeah, great. But then there's that soul killing process of going to your garage and watching just all these boxes stack up. And I'd rather just spend the money and not see that situation and just press them up as I need. Um, So- that's sort of where we are on that. I would love for it to be on vinyl. That's a dream. I'm I'm old enough to yeah. remember vinyl and experience that, and it would be it'd be great to see, uh, you know, one of my yeah, albums yeah. as an album. I, I still I, call them albums. I I, I, I do too. Our records even. Sure. I need to look this up. There's a great article that this music this musician wrote. This engineer musician, and he he posited that if you want permanence or per, you know in your music, you or permanence, you you have to put it on vinyl because. When the power goes off, everything that anyone's done now that's digital doesn't exist. Correct. And not that we're expecting some kind of, you know, doomsday Armageddon scenario, but you still want the romance of something being mechanical. Theoretically, at least, you could wind up a player, Correct. drop a needle on a disc, and it would play. Notice, yeah, it would, when, you turn it the volu- when you turn the volume off completely, if you're playing a, a, a vinyl record, you could still hear something. Yeah. If something's being played, you could, not read. You right. play a CD, that's being read to you. Right. An album is being played. Right. Now, here's the analogy. If the power went out and you had a bunch of canned food in your pantry and the only can opener was electric, you're effed. But well, if you have uh, just a manual can opener, you're eating for days, yeah, right? You, so that's, that's right. sort of... The, the, the moral of the story is to carry a Leatherman tool around <laughs> and about. It's the moral of all just stories. Just in case you get caught in a box canyon with your arm pinned to a boulder. In case, oh, my car again! You can, you can both eat your canned food and remove your arm if necessary. That's right. We will leave it that. Ode to you, <laughs> Mr. Aaron Rolfson. We're happy you're still with us. Oh. And I made a halfway decent movie as well. Yeah. Uh, and that, that actor, what's the actor's name? Franco, James he's, Franco. He's a looker. He's he's a really talented guy. I studied acting at Playhouse West uh, for a couple of years, and he, and he studied there as well before I was there. And he, there's a lot of stories about how the commitment that that guy goes through, and uh, just the reading and the studying he does. Yeah. He's he's a very thorough guy. He's a little kooky maybe, but yeah. Although I have to say though, my my favorite actor, one of my favorite actors, Harrison Ford, to this day, really went yes, totally. He was Han Solo. And Indiana Jones and Jack Ryan in one career. <laughs> yeah, so, but, that, so, that's, but that's not a stretch. So that's, he's it's also the same guy. But, but that's my point. You know, when he was on the actor studio with Lipton, you know, he asked him, you know, what's what's your 
What's your acting style? And Harrison Ford said, I come from the let's pretend school of acting. And I can certainly, I can respect that. So with that, I, I will leave you with that. But at this let's point... Have, let's pretend staring and grunting is acting. That's, that's, that's Harrison Ford's you're style. You're dissing on Indiana Jones. I, I'm, dissing on, I'm miss, dissing on the guy who was in that bad movie with Michelle Pfeiffer, too. I'm, it's the everyone, whole thing. Everyone has fallow periods, my I'm, I'm dissing on the, the earring. What is he, 878 with the earring? Come on. I'm gonna, when you're 78, I'm going to bust your chops, Check man. me for earrings. Go ahead. <laughs> Springsteen has earrings, and he's, he's you know, getting up there. Springsteen how, has a lot of earrings. That's how he goes incognito. He takes a couple of them out, and then he's just no one recognizes <laughs> With that, you guys have brought a lot of instruments and gear yep. into our studio. What I would love for you to do, if you will oblige me, yeah. is, to, is to warm up that Telecaster and your P, your P bass and lay some tunes on us. Okay, this song's called Never Be Subtle Again. It's on the record. And this is, I thought I was writing this about kind of the extreme shouting matches we get in the media nowadays. But every time I leave the house, my wife has this mantra. She says, honey, be safe, no tickets, and no fights. And I realize I think I wrote this song about me. Because as you just heard, I have extreme opinions, and I'm not shy with them. So here we go. Never be subtle again. You ready, guys? One, two, three, four. In an effort to be polite, maybe I said you're right. Then she got it wrong. Thought we'd get along It is never to be polite When you wanna get through the night You deserve what you get A lifetime of regret And I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna be subtle again No, I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna be subtle again You're pushing me to extremes Subtly don't work So everyone's a jerk And if it happened to be clear We twist and bend the ear Squeaky wheel gets greased And everything's increased And I'm never gonna be Never gonna be subtle again No, I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna be subtle again Biting down the hatches Cause we're having shot and matches Screaming to be heard No, I'm never gonna be Never gonna be subtle again No, I'm never gonna be Eugene Edwards and his band. That's hot. Thank you. That's Thank hot. You. And that's, that's the power trio treatment. That's the power trio, and that's from the new record. Yes. Week of Sunday. The new album. Yeah. Every you know, and uh I think the idea for the new album, we might go to Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Which is a uh, how do you how would you explain Kickstarter, Joe? Kickstarter, uh, I, I have experience with it. Angela Korea and her band Koreatown sure, did sure, this on record. their record. It's this website by which you can go, and uh, you set up a Kickstarter. I'm not sure if it's a profile. I'm not sure exactly what they call it. A you project. set up your they Kickstarter project. project, and you say, okay, I want to raise money for this artistic endeavor, and you say, we need ten grand to put out our record or to fund our theater or to 
do this art show, what have you. And then, but you have to commit to a specific number. Mm-hmm. And if you don't reach that number, you don't get any of the money. You, it you all goes back. You reach a specific date by which you have to yeah. reach that amount. Exactly. And yeah, if, ex- if you don't reach that amount, no one's money, no one loses, exactly. money doesn't come in. Exactly. So it's a great way for people who support the arts to contribute to something, you know, because I, I've had a few friends over the years when they wanted to release an album, they try to do some kind of weird pre-sales thing where they're like, oh yeah, you know, you you invest here and you give me 50 bucks and then when the record is done, I'll send you a record. And somehow, it's not that disingenuous is not the right word, but it's smacked of some kind of weird inverted relationship because maybe it's a better way to do it, but the way we've got commerce set up in our culture, you invest, you risk. And then you hope that you get a return. So maybe I've got, maybe I'm backwards, but Kickstarter has kind of legitimized that process. A bit. Now, here's for a certain amount that you give, I think you set uh, a couple of levels. And so if someone donates over 50 bucks, they're not just going to get a copy of the record. Uh, you might uh, you, you might get a foot massage <laughs> from the artist. That's what I mean. That sort of thing. It's it's all about niche marketing. And, and we were having this conversation the other right. day. You, when when we were kids and we wanted to be rock stars, the idea, our question was, how do we get our stuff broadcasted? How do we, we're going to make some music and get that broadcast, sent out as wide an area as possible. And now the question is, is how, to, how to be narrowcasted, right. how to get my tunes just to the rock fan that also probably cracks open a book every now and then and thinks Harrison Ford's a crappy actor in great movies. And I've got to find just alone, those. Man. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I just got to find those cats and, and they'll buy the record. And, you know, so we're all now A&R guys. We're all market research guys yeah. we all have to think that way that's just the way it is yeah i mean it's it's like multitasking to the you know sure nth degree to the extent that you have to you know it, it's always kind of been that way you know when you're a young band and you're scrapping around your local town be that pasadena or des moines or you know trenton sure. wherever you are you know you're out there and you're papering the cars at parking you know during other band shows that are similar to yours you are throwing up posters you're making posters in the past 15 years you're making the website yourself and you everybody think, and the you, right ones become their own cottage industry yeah um and kickstarter is a way i feel like i'm selling it now i mean no i i mean, i'm just you, i knew you'd describe it better than i would and it's legitimized this process I by which so. like you said the, uh, the best way to say it is like you said there are levels and you if you give 200 bucks you know or maybe you know maybe if you give 400 bucks they they give you a house concert there's that which or is something the band can provide without incurring a lot of cost what, what i'm thinking of doing is is uh you you donate a certain amount and if uh Choose a song, and I'll record an acoustic cover version at my house, and I'll send it to you. Just, oh, just nice. to you, just to you. And as someone said, because the the idea it's now got to be a Barry White song, though. I would love. Oh, that guy's such a great songwriter arranger. Am I right? He's one of the best arrangers ever. Um, is that you? You know, again, it's back to that that niche market narrow casting thing. It's at this, as personal experiences you can have between the artist and the singular fan, which to me is creepy. But that's just the reality of where yeah. we are. Well, it's changed. It's <laughs> changed so drastically. I mean, and when we were kids, uh, you know, the only connection to the music industry and the way, you know, you knew a new record was coming out by your favorite band was to go to that hosehead at the record store. Sure. He was aloof and, you know, had their finger on the pulse at least. You know, maybe they had a chalkboard behind the desk that said, you know, the new... XTC record is coming out in mm-hmm. two months. So I remember going in and like finding out. That's how you found out. Or maybe you read it in Rolling Stone. That's right. But the dissemination of information, the channel was only this wide <laughs> and there wasn't a lot of information coming out of it. So, well, if, and, and it was regional too. I grew up in a really yeah. small town, uh, Yuma, Arizona, 
where no one can hear you scream. And uh, it, it's this little tiny desert town. And we had a couple of radio stations, but they were already pre-programmed. They were just syndicates yeah. playing whatever. And there was just, there weren't really, I'm sorry, anybody listening in from Yuma, but there just weren't any cool college kids around to get you hip to stuff. Uh, it was, you didn't see. Well, they were it. cut off from the spigot. Well, no, they just left town. They just moved to San they, Diego they or Phoenix. Town. They just blew out of there. So uh, to see any alternative films, like I remember reading about, Probably Blue Velvet or one of the David Lynch movies, yeah. like the greatest movie of the decade. Heineken. I knew nothing about. Yeah, I just knew nothing. I had no idea what that was all about, and it reminded me. I remember reading somewhere that Kurt Cobain, growing up in Aberdeen or wherever he grew up at the time, he he never in hell. Heard, I think. Well, he just never heard. He never <laughs> heard any. He never heard any punk rock music, but he found a, some copies of a punk rock magazine, and he would look at the pictures and try and imagine what their music sounded like. That moment's gone. I mean, yeah. even even a lonely kid, you know, in you know, in the smallest town, can go to his public library, get on the internet, and yeah. find out. They can find the most obscure band that hasn't even started recording yet, but is already the bleeding edge on their phone in study hall. And only, and then that kid's kind of alienated because well, there's a great Onion article that Pitchfork <laughs> declared oh, that music was just overrated. Music in general has just been overrated. It's such yeah. a funny article. But yeah, that's that's and then you know it takes that guy about 12 seconds to find someone else online to tell him that his favorite band is terrible. Yeah. Exactly. When when then some some jackass, oh I I'm first on the comments. Like that's like the new <laughs> you know, firsties or what I don't even know what they call it's that. It's sort of the magic and I'm going to sound like a jerk in, in saying this, so but part of the the other reason that you kind of want to get in a band is that you want to be one of the just one of the four guys standing on stage with a microphone and a light. That's it. But this dissemination of information, everyone's on stage with a light and a microphone. Yeah. And that's frustrating to like a, you know, egomaniac like myself. Yeah, whenever, when everyone's talking at once, it's hard to hear it's what just, anybody's just, saying. But just a bunch of noise. Bunch of noise. And that sounds like a good place for more music. It's All like right. we, we kind of reach these beats. So right. you've got, you guys have brought, again, you've brought a lot of gear. You're bringing great tunes. You're playing some more stuff from the new record. Tell us what you're going to play here, man. This is a song called Who's Gonna Hate You When You Go. And Davey starts this with his bass groove in, in the key of G. you when you go who's gonna hate you when you go you're feeling a whole lot less these days people just form a noisy haze who's gonna hate you when you go there's been a smash up on the five a fatality that'll slow your drive her name was Cindy Millen, and she leaves three small children. Who's gonna take up all your time? Strange abduction of the heart. It's just the first sign of you falling apart.
introduction of the heart It's just the first sign of you falling apart Who's gonna hate you when you go? Who's gonna hate you when you go? You're feeling a whole lot less these days People just form a noisy haze Who's gonna hate you when you go? Eugene Edwards, Davey Michelle, Mike Supicessa, live here in our studio on Lancer Radio. As always, my name is Joe Armstrong. I'm your host on our program, Independence Day, every Wednesday night here on Lancer Radio. We try to bring you the best musicians, and we have certainly succeeded tonight. Oh, bless your heart. It is an absolute pleasure to watch you guys Thank play. You it's so been much. too long since I've seen a show of yours, actually. We haven't seen you much. We're, we're playing tomorrow night. If I may, well, actually, you, you can, your, your voice is better. Well, you should, no, you should we'll, plug the show. We'll, we'll get to that. I oh, want to talk, I want to talk about the live show. We'll, we'll tell everybody oh, okay, when you're, cool. but you are playing tomorrow night and you're playing, I think on the 29th as Next well. Friday, so you yeah. got some, got some shows coming up. Yeah. We'll, we'll, t- we'll give all the, the proper information about that here okay. in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, what, what I was saying mm-hmm. was, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a, an absolute pleasure to see musicians of your caliber playing out, playing regularly, interacting, doing what musicians do, which is actually playing music. I mean, so much of my life in music has been consumed by these other things we were talking about before. The production of music, the uh, promotion of music, the advertising of music, the my radio work, which I also love, but I, I, I it's, it's a pleasure to see actual music happening in a room and interaction. And you know, when you did your walking baseline towards the end, that kind of wraps up the solo. That's great. It's a chromatic line. Like you know, it, it's like what a good musician does to kind of signify we all feel it. It's coming, and you lay it out there, and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you, man, you've played with everybody, you know, and you know, not. You know, not the least of which these guys, which is, you know, which is something to be seen. Everyone out there in radio land, I can't tell you, I said this in the intro, if you haven't seen a Eugene Edwards show, I implore you, 
they've got you know pretty good number of opportunities. They're playing tomorrow night at Cinema Bar, an awesome place to see a band in L.A. Yeah. It's a small place, so you put a few people in there, and the energy in there is incredible. <laughs> the other band on the bill, that's Davey's band. He fronts that band. That's the Neighborhood Bullies. And if you haven't seen them, I could say the exact same thing yeah. about those guys. They are a raw rock and roll experience in the best possible way. So with effusive praise, you know, again, thank you guys for being here. This is this is fantastic. So that is also from the new record, correct? The name of yeah. that song is or who's, was Who's Gonna Hate You When You Go. And that's that's kind of the hallmark of what I think you do live is that you know, you set up a you know, you, you've got snappy poppy songs, which is great because it's a skill that a lot of musicians don't have is the ability to like get in, make your point, and get the hell out right. of there with your song. You know, that's the Elvis Costello side. But you also embrace this kind of Springsteen esque thing where your shows have an amount of energy which is. It's hard to even explain the kind of energy that your show is put on because you'll the band will be grooving. You guys are good, great musicians. You're all playing together, firing on all cylinders, and you'll step back or forward and you'll take the solo. It'll be this extended solo, and you're a very facile. You're a great guitar player too, so you bring that aspect to it. So, what I'm saying is that your band is the complete package. That's what I always thought. <laughs> How the rest of the world's missed it is just beyond me. No, I, <laughs> well, I don't think they. I don't think they've missed it. I think you know. I just think it's it's it doesn't get the it doesn't get the due it, it's due. You know, um, it's it's pr- probably just part of a tradition of of I know like Davey when, when in the bullies when we're performing in the you just got to lay it on the line and uh, whether. I just think there's this kind of, I always thought that there was this great responsibility when there's this audience facing you. And it's probably, it's kind of an unnatural, uh, the geometry of that situation is kind of unnatural. Uh, someone once told me, like, probably the root of, of you know, the, like the biggest fear for everyone is public speaking. Right? But if you're a musician, it's kind of the opposite. Well, no, it's, it's well, the I'm biggest just fear saying, is like having nobody show up. Well, yeah, it's true. No, but just the idea of the, the reason people are afraid of public speaking is probably because going back to, our caveman days where if you walked out of your cave and everyone's facing you, that's probably not a good scene. Yeah. So it probably means you're about to be eliminated. I mean, it's just an unnatural moment when they're all <laughs> staring at you, eliminated. right? Eliminated. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just kind of the tribe has spoken and we're going to just walk they down voted the woods you off and you're the not coming. Yeah. That's sort or of your, moment. Or your lunch. Or, or you are yeah. lunch. Yeah. That, that's that. Yeah. That's probably, especially back in the caveman days. Yeah. So, uh, so if you're in a band, you know, it's not that it's combative. Or the tiger's behind you. <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah exactly it's a Richard Pryor bit yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry no, so, so the idea is when you're a band you got these people facing and in LA it can be pretty rough there's a yeah. lot of arms folded there's a lot of options you people know. are very jaded here and they're busy and they're all doing art all the time that's fine so you're right so you've got to sort of just be something unusual and, and what I found it was just natural for me but I think what was unusual was I just kind of looked like I enjoyed myself up there and I think that kind of uh, probably just kind of seemed a little odd, and I, I they did. Uh, there was a complaint uh, for a time. I remember one promoter. He didn't tell me who had said it. He says, "Yeah, I kind of get these people always saying, you know, why is who's this Eugene? Why is he always smiling? <laughs> like, He's, like, like it was a sin." You you're know? too eager to be a musician in Los oh, Angeles. I was just enjoying- you need to you need to stare at your shoes a little more. Uh, I was just, I was, and you're not maudlin enough. I just enjoy myself, probably, and that's it. And and it's just you know you set up your gear. And you've you've sent out the flyers and the, the the gig spam and you're just you're hustling to try and get people to see <laughs> At least you. you. You admit straight away that it's spam because that's how I yeah, feel about it. Yeah, let's face it. So and you're doing everything you can to get that room filled because you've got some club owner who has an alcohol license but still depends on you for his business somehow. 
who's pressuring you to fill the room. And once you go through all that hassle and you've rehearsed and you've written tunes, it's like, why go up there and be lame? Why look yeah. bored? You know, that's a you problem. It's an ethos, I think. Yeah, you can get Greek with it. I don't know. It's... But yeah, I, I, so that's sort of the, been the approach. And, and sure, there's nights where, you know, we don't feel like playing if you just had a bad day. Or, but, but so much buildup has happened to the show, at least for me mentally and emotionally throughout the day, that, you know, I just, I just can't sleep well unless I kind of felt as though, you know, I extended myself somehow. And with that kind of energy, I mean, I've, I've felt for years that, uh, you know, I won't call it a crutch, but the reason a lot of musicians get seriously into drugs is because they, 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 they put forth all this energy and then they get it back from the audience, you know, playing much larger places. Like they, 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 they get back home, they get to their hotel room, they get on the bus and there's a vacuum there. And they try to kind of fill it with something or change their state of consciousness. And I'm not saying drugs are good, bad, or indifferent. You should or should not do any of these things. But it's I've read lots of articles about that, and that's a theory that I've kind of got, is they're trying to, once you've had that kind of adulation, and you've had 5,000, 10,000, <laughs> 20,000 people standing on their chairs, screaming your name at the top of their lungs, paying $30 for a T-shirt, driving all the way from Chicago to Wisconsin to see the show, you know, how do you, how do you face, you know, how do you face like here's, the, here's, the TV remote here's in your, a couple but, of things. your, your you're hotel? Right. You're right. There's that. First of all, if you're, you, if you are successful and people are screaming for you to go out and perform and the, and just by walking out, people start applauding. That alone can make you impossible to live with. I mean, you know, if I sit down for dinner with my wife and daughter and they don't applaud just because I showed up. So that's I'll ground you that hopefully that'll work. Um, the other aspect is when you travel, I play guitar for a lot of other bands, right? And so I do a lot of road work. And I've joked, but it's a, half, it's a half joke, that once I get to the airport, I become a three-year-old. I, I, just, I'm just, I just wait for someone to tell me oh, where man. to go. Once you've had a road manager, it's amazing how you, you function in your daily thinking. life at all. You just they say, get on that plane. You get in that plane. You get off the plane. Say, get in that van. You get in that van. And then they give you your hotel key, and you go into that room. And they say... This lobby, four o'clock, we roll the sound check. And you just do, you're just on autopilot. You could be anywhere, and you're, here's your chicken dinner. I didn't, you didn't even order it. It's just, I mean, you just, you, until, until you end up back on the plane that sends you back home. Right. And you're standing there with your luggage, and then you've got, you know, you've got to feed your dogs. You've got to, you've got to vacuum. You've got to yeah. function again. And you've if, you got to tie your own shoes, yeah. for God's if sake. You, but if you get to a certain level, those other domestic things don't really even exist anymore. Like once you get to like, you know, and this is rarefied air we're talking about here. Once you get to that level, there are, there's a certain group of musicians or performers or actors, and I'm sure there's, you know, across different mediums of art. Some of them, yeah. They get home and they don't have to play along anymore. And those are the ones that are the really get lost, eccentric probably. personalities. I, I, have a, I have a close friend who's a pretty pretty accomplished he's a front of house engineer monitor guy he's done everything you can think of on the backside, mm-hmm. you know on the side of the stage behind the scenes and i'm not going to name names but as an extremely famous and well-known drummer who they had a road manager but for some reason he took a shine to my friend brian and you know brian would be in his room you know they'd done sound check and brian would be in his hotel room and you know uh-huh. and you know brian would open his door and here's this drummer you know hey uh hey brian what time's the gig you know, and this is a drummer who's been doing this for thirty some <laughs> years. And Brian's like, uh, the road manager's door is three doors down. You know, I think it's maybe at six, maybe the lobby call is five forty five, but you know, so then you know, he'd, he'd go back to watching his thing and you know Hey Brian, what 
where's craft services? <laughs> you know, and it's like this never ending litany of, of all these different random just, things. It's like once you reach that level, it's like, oh, no, it's a decision. You, you Joe, exist it's, unto a yourself. decision they make. You make a decision to be that helpless, man. Well, I think the cocaine might have had a, a there's a funny story. 30 years of that. One of the guys, way in, of I'm going to name that as well. I don't, I don't care. So I'm going to name names. Uh, one of the guys, I play guitar for Sean Anna. They've been around for like 40 years, these guys. They've seen it all. No, 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 I'm not. That's not the, no, I'm not. But, it's a, it's a money gig. Their it? piano player told me about doing a show, I think at the Fillmore of West, I believe. The West or the East, one of the Bill Graham things. And they were playing with the Allman Brothers on the same bill. Dwayne's still alive. Okay, so, and the dressing rooms are kind of upstairs. They're all tiny dressing rooms and these steep staircases, these multi-level things. And you're just trying to find your dressing room. It's just mayhem. And Scott's just kind of going into every dressing room door trying to figure out, is this our dressing room? And he opens a door and both Dwayne and Greg Allman are standing over just like eight pounds of cocaine on this tray. <laughs> just, you know, blonde hair in their face. And they just, they just kind of slowly look up at the door and Scott says, oh, this isn't my dressing room, sorry. And one of the brothers looked at him and said, oh, hey man, can you help us with this? True story. Yeah. And by help, Those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I mean, that's, if that's all you're doing all day, you know. I bet, you know, every set of studio monitors in the 70s got tweeters blown out on a regular basis, I imagine. Because the high end. Lo- gotta, yeah. have, gotta have that high end, man. Yeah. You know, Fleetwood Mac, you know. <laughs> Another good road story. The, the road manager for Shauna Na, a beautiful old guy named Pete. And he was a v- he's a Vietnam veteran. Beautiful guy. And I think we were, all road managers should be I, Vietnam well, veterans. Well, yeah, we, yeah they, a lot of those guys were recruited out of that, that line. But uh, we were backstage uh, near Chicago just a couple weeks ago, and, and we were waiting, and, and Pete starts the story. There is this opium den I used to hang out in, in South Vietnam. And I stopped and said, Pete, none of my stories will ever start that way. It's just a great, I mean, the story can go anywhere, really. Yeah. And the whole point of the story was just to tell me the first time you'd heard Inagata De Vita, but yeah. th- it's kind of a letdown when it, the story starts like that. Right. You know? And the funny thing is, once you have that kind of cred, when you can start a story <laughs> yes, like that, right. yeah. you could just make stuff up. The and it root, wouldn't make any it's difference. It's all possible. You know, I mean, th- 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 anything could happen. As where Soupy's story starts, well, I was stuck at the 101, the 405. Yeah. Yeah, Los Angeles, you know, and we survived this whole Carmageddon nonsense. It was, oh, I have a theory about that. Oh, don't, okay, you know what that was? And I was, by Wednesday, Thursday leading up to it, I said, this is going to be like the 84 Olympics, where everyone's so freaked out, no one's going to leave their house, and the freeways will function as they're supposed to. Here's what happened. A 10-mile stretch of the 405 was closed for a few days. This is really only going to affect those that live in West L.A. and the Valley, and for people that live in West LA and the Valley, they think that their inconvenience is a national concern. So, and then not only that, but everyone in the media in LA at least lives in West LA and the Valley. So, of course, they just peppered. Not pub, not. Uh, well, not here. Not NPR people. <laughs> no, not here. But, and so they just made us all believe. I mean, they had Kim Kardashian tweeting about it, yeah. you know, because people would listen to her, which, by the way, what the. Anyway, so, so that's what happened. And everyone was just listening to those people who were going to be inconvenienced. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we were fine. I made it to Hunting, from Huntington Beach to yeah. Eagle Rock in 30 you know, minutes. You know, I, I, al- I have an alternative theory, though. I, I am not normally an advocate of fear mongering. <laughs> Honestly, but that's why, my you, that's why you don't work for Fox News, Joe. That's why I'd, I'd get paid if I worked for Fox News. I think that's why it worked because they scared the living Absolutely. bejesus out of everyone. And for once in my life, I agree. I think that's what they <laughs> had to good, do because one. I had to go to Long Beach on Saturday and it was a breeze. It was yeah. a breeze. We, I think we should do it monthly. We should pick a stretch of highway to fix yeah. monthly. 
scare everybody into staying home. Get something done. The weather was beautiful, too. It was no smog. There was no smog. I live in the valley right by where they were uh, working on it. And I made it to. I made it everywhere with no traffic. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. It was phenomenal, and I, I, I would advocate that as well. You could, you could do that every weekend, as far as I'm concerned. I, if it allows, you know, as long as people keep being scared. And like I said, I'd like to make another disclaimer. I normally, after eight years of being frightened out of my wits by my, my administration. Uh, uh-huh. uh, it, it's nice to not have that kind of thing around in that regard. But in this case, I'm all for it, man. Scare those people. Stay. Every all you month. people on the West Side, just stay home. Harry Shearer once said that the, when we have our big earthquakes or mudslides and these wildfires and stuff, he says it's just a, a shaking out of people that were supposed to be living in Montana anyway. <laughs> It's <laughs> great. If you can't if you can't handle it, get out. That's pretty much it. With that, you guys are an LA band. Show us what it's like to play music in LA, man. What's next? Uh, we're gonna do a, a song also from the new record. It's called Irregular Heartbeat. Irregular Heartbeat. It wants what it can't have. Be careful. Regular heartbeat, the impulse is to say yes. I can't help it if I cheat, it wants more until there's less. And in time, you'll find that these words are true. There was nothing I could do. Irregular heartbeat, it's such a waste of all your love. You get the hook when you deserve the duh. And a time you will find that these were true, true. There was nothing I could do. Irregular heartbeat. Irregular heartbeat, irregular heartbeat, irregular heartbeat. So short, so snappy. Every time, man, it's a craft writing short, snappy. What's your shortest song, you think? Uh, At Your Place is the shortest one that I've written. Does it clock in under two? I I think it comes a second under two, maybe. That was kind of that was kind of my goal. This one may this one may beat it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm 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 very fond of songs in three, triple meter of any kind. Oh, I'm also fond of songs people who can pull off a short song and say everything they need to say because it's easy to make a short song. Just don't complete the song. You, you just need <laughs> I mean, that's right. You know, throw in a verse and a chorus and a solo and another chorus and you're out and that's cool. And our, but, a lot of our favorite records are maybe just two verses of course of right but but they yeah. may not get the but what I'm saying though is that it's easy to slap something together and call it a short song but crafting something but making sure it flows making making sure that all was, the elements are there it's 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 a it's a completed piece of art that song it's kind of one of my favorites because it was written very fast it came I was in a hotel uh, as usual um, and the the news was on and, and there was a story about Dick Cheney being taken to the hospital with an irregular heartbeat uh-huh. and I thought 
And I remember thinking, and that's myself, a metaphor, right? No, well, no. I mean, he, that's you know, medically, he had an irregular heartbeat. And, and as soon as I heard that phrase, I thought, oh, I'm sure Niccolo has written that, or it just seemed like such an obvious lyric. And um, as soon as I just sang that phrase, uh, the melody was there, and everything. It just kind of right, Davey. When the songs that you write very quickly, twenty minutes. It's 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 the way yeah. the way women must feel about the the kid that delivered in like. 20 minutes you yeah. know and you're just like oh that was a great delivery you know what i've never i've never heard a, a female songwriter talk about writing songs like giving birth what well, only only male songwriters do that because yeah, we have I've no done clue the, i've done That's it the same i've done it too but it's it's a very i don't think i don't think no. the chick singer set men, makes men the are, same comparison men are usually really loose with that analogy because we'll yeah. we, the security of knowing that we'll never experience it and and thank god for that <laughs> thank god because it looks like it hurts yeah i <laughs> Uh, she, she doesn't scream like that when she's doing the dishes. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do, by the way, because I hate housework, but that's, that's a whole other... Um, anyway, so that's the... I think uh, um, I'm going to switch the acoustic for the next couple of tunes, so I don't know how you want to arrange it. By the okay. way, your, your, your crew well, why don't, why is don't we... very smooth here. Can I just say the last... I did your show... How long ago did we last? That, I did was, shorter... that would have been over a year ago. Okay, I brought... It came out 15 May. minutes. And... It, w- it looked like Oswald had just been shot before we went on air. Just bodies flying everywhere. People just reaching for stuff. It, it was, was carnage. It was pretty panicky. And I, I do, uh, I, I, I do uh, a morning radio show. I'm part of the morning radio show at K-Earth 101. I've been doing it for five years. This bit called Office um, of the Day. Intr- I was going to ask you, can you channel um, Antonio? Well, it's the bit. same guy. It's me. Oh, I don't. Th- no, I don't do a voice or anything. When I started, I was I doing. You said you did an accent. A- originally, they wanted me to do a Spanish accent. Oh, so you dropped that. So it was like a Latin lover thing. But then off the air, they realized that I, I was, you know, apparently fluent in English, and they, uh, you know, allowed me to uh, just be myself. And the idea is that we we speak to people who listen to the station in their offices, and I'm sort of I'm a treat. Basically, I, I serenade women over the air, and then they send a truck with bagels and coffee and all this stuff. Uh, out it's a gig, office. man. It's a gig. It's it's been a great gig because I've gotten you know I've been writing jingles for it. I, I do voiceovers and stuff. So um, anyway, that's that's sort of the uh, the one of the the daily gigs I ha- that is the daily gig I have uh, so to speak. But but the crew there is very very experienced. And so yeah. when someone says, "All right, thirty seconds coming out of commercial," the people there's like, "Oh, I'll go make a sandwich and get some coffee." I yeah. mean, thirty seconds is nothing. And yeah. it's gotten to the point where now when I'm uh, on the road, if I'm on stage, and someone says. You know, places in two minutes. I think, oh my god, can I get a ride back to the room? Yeah, two minutes. Yeah. What is? You know, countries have fallen. <laughs> That's right. Yes, in two minutes. I, you know, my 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 day gig is over at. Uh, at Larry, I'm working on Larry Mantle's show on KPCC. Love that it's show. Just it's it's unbelievable. I love hearing him credit yeah. you at the end. It's great. It's one of the thrills of my my yeah. day. As as it is mine. <laughs> so what we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna. I'd like to. And then when we come back, I'm gonna play a song another song from the record. Okay, great. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about your formative years because that'll kind of tie into this particular song. We're gonna play the song "Good Old Days" oh, chlorine, yes. which kind of talks about your formative years. Yeah. Coming up, and I'm gonna. I kind of you guys. I'm gonna plant the seed for you, Davey, and for you, uh, Soupy. Think about your formative years in music. We're gonna discuss we'll that do. when we come out of this song. So this is also from the new record, Eugene Edwards and his band, his forthcoming record. Which we will see by the Christmas gift giving season on the iTunes, if maybe not in physicality. This is the track Good Old Days Chlorine on Independence Day. Badger. 
psychosis you were talked into Eugene Edwards, good old days, chlorine. I like songs that have parentheses in their titles that as was, well. Actually, the, the song was just supposed to be called Chlorine, but every time I'd call it out on stage or I'd write it on a set list, it was like, the band would, what's what's that? Yeah. And so, well, good old days, it said over and over again. I thought I should probably just call it good old days. Yeah. Then I, so then we, chlorine, good old days. Or yeah. No, like I said, it's it seems like a very, like, early 70s thing to do because that's when songwriting for you know rock was getting kind of crafty and they were writing songs where the chorus wasn't the chorus <laughs> exactly. you know and so they had to have parentheses so that people to understood what in god's what name the they were talking was. about but you know maybe it was pretentious but i i, I have a, there's a place in my heart for a- that. adam carolla has a funny bit about trying to go to a record store and find a led zeppelin song because the title is going to have nothing to do with any <laughs> lyric that you actually remember. To this, there's honestly, to I mean, to this day, there are Zeppelin songs that I don't know what their names are. Oh, I don't know what the lyrics are. I have no idea what he's talking about. I just know yeah. the riffs. You know, they, well, they earned it though. They earned the right to do whatever they want, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's a great band. It's a great band. So, but I want to talk. You know, that song kind of is about your formative days, which you oh, said childhood. was in Yuma, your childhood in yeah. Yuma. So, I mean, we're going to cycle around. We're going to do a little campfire thing. We'll do this Aww. real quickly. But, uh, you know what? To talk about your formative days in terms of your focus of music. What got you onto this easy. path uh, with music? Was easy. it an artist? Was yeah. it a member of your family? Was it something you heard on, you know, because Tom Petty talks about seeing Elvis uh-huh. in his hometown That's when he right. was a kid. And that sent him off on his, his, think, his quest. You know, my dad has a, had a great record collection. It's mine now. He, he's very sweet about just kind of handing it all over to me. And, and uh, so I grew up with some great tunes in the house, and, and I grew up not, you know, relativity is something you don't have when you're four or five years old. So I'd hear Buddy Holly next to Van Morrison, next to, uh, you know, whatever. And, and I just, I didn't know one thing Abba. was an ABBA. I didn't know one thing was an oldie and one thing wasn't, right? So uh, I remember HBO was playing the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey at some point when I was really young. And I, I would watch that over and over again. I was just captivated by this by the, well, the music in, in the story. And, and Gary Busey. <laughs> He's captivating. And then uh, when I was seven years old, my parents uh, it, it took me out of school. I was in second grade and, and, and drove me three hours to Phoenix to see my first rock concert. It was, it was Springsteen. And, oh, and it just it's all clear to me now. Blew my doors off. Four hours of, and I have a copy of that show. I have a soundboard recording of so it. So what, what tour would that have been? The River. It was the night that after Reagan was elected. Oh, and, man. And, uh, oh, I bet. <laughs> Badlands. Did, did, he, did he even play any music, or did he just talk <laughs> no, for three hours? That was a, a big night. He, he mentioned, he, he referred to the election, and then he did Badlands, and that version of Badlands is what came out on the big live box set in the mid-'80s. Nice. Uh, and so 
that was it was I just remember watching that all night just thinking that you know I'll just I'll do that. Now I didn't realize that I'd pick this as my standard, this kind of workaholic freak, this guy, you know, I didn't really, I'd pick sort of like the hardest standard to go by in terms of effort and, and all those things. But, but it certainly got me paying attention to, yeah, you after I saw the You concert, could have idolized like Brian Ferry or someone who doesn't work quite as hard. Just, just get a nice suit, you know, yeah. a good stylist. Um, but, uh, so after that, I would be riveted uh, watching TV for any live music performance. Anything that was live music, I was hooked. And, uh, Where you grew up, they had the King Biscuit Flower Hour, right? No. Okay. Well, actually, that's not true. Uh, my dad hooked up uh, our cable from the TV to our, our stereo FM receiver, so I could listen to KLOS. Uh, I don't remember KMET out of L.A., but I remember KLOS and a bunch of big, you know, like, L.A. and Phoenix rock stations. So, yeah, I would hear a few things and hear live broadcasts and would record them. And, and it just started this long series of just, I, I think I was, you know, seven, and I knew absolutely what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I was, you know, I was, I was fortunate that way as a kid. Yeah. Davey, where did you grow up, man? Uh, I, I was born in Brooklyn, and we moved out here. My, I come from a music fam, music business, family music. My dad, like, uh, my mom sang with Jackie Wilson and Laverne Baker and nice. Tammy Wynette, and she was on tour with them and stuff. And so in, in light of that, did your parents try to talk you out of what it was? Yes. They, they knew my parents they were... said I should go to business school, and they were right in retrospect. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Even just yes. to be a musician, you still should have yes, gone to business school. Yeah, should have gone to business school. Yeah, yeah I was tr they tried to talk me out of most, it. Most, music. you know, uh, arts people I know who have kids who are successful in the arts, even if they're successful, as almost bar it's none, true. they try to talk their kids, look, if there's anything else you think you want to do. I have a 14-year-old daughter. Else. You want to you dig ditches? It's probably an easier row to hoe than being a musician. I have a 14-year-old daughter who's a straight-A student. You know, just got a report card recently you know, from the last, uh, last uh, semester in eighth grade. Yeah. Straight A's, all that stuff. Turns out, though, she's a great artist. Oh. And it's a, she's it's a doomed. Sad and as, as are you. Life. She probably should go to art school. No, she's she a just great has painter. to. You know, you just have to explain to your kids. I mean, it's great to be an artist, and, and you just have to explain to them that they're going to have to get the business side of it down as yeah. well. And as long as they have that in their head, you know, from the get go, they'll be all right. Because they'll just assume it's all part and parcel. Yeah. And it is. And, and uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, can, you were just saying how it kind of bums you out hearing people now kind of pontificate about the death of the industry, right, Davey? Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually upsetting. It's, it's like daily, you but know, what's someone, your, everybody in every coffee shop. But what's your visceral station. response to that? My, my response is uh, that we're, you know, it really doesn't matter to me. You know, I would, I, this is what I do. I go out at night and play music with my buddies. Do you know Gillian Welsh? Yeah, I actually went to school with her. Yeah, at Berkeley? <laughs> yeah. She was, I was there too. Oh, yeah. Right around that same time. It's same interesting. Here. Yeah, 87. Were you, in the, were you in the 150 Mass Ave dorm? Dude, I worked in the bookstore. Did you really? I, yeah. You probably sold me. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say you sold me this pin, but I actually don't have one of these pins. Do you remember in the Berkeley bookstore they had a pin that said, I'm the fastest guitar player at Berkeley? Uh, yeah, I no, remember I that. Remember, I, I remember I should, seeing that. They still had that when I yeah, was Yeah, they there. still had that. Which, but that was, that was the heyday for, like, th there was a kid there who actually played with the drill in the pitch. Right, Sludge. Cool. Yeah. His name was Sludge, right? Was Sludge? <laughs> oh, he had the tiny little um, uh, stack, Marshall stack. He'd pull yeah, it in out in the dorm in the hallway. Yeah, maybe. I mean, th you know, there were good kids there, but I mean, I, 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 I never quite got the that aspect of it. Anyway, it, it, it's good. Well, it's cool to know. You know, we, we share that in common. Yeah, yeah. But Gillian yeah. Welch has a song, uh, Everything is Free. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing is about how ex exactly your point, which is we're going to do it anyway. Whether or not we get paid. We, for us, a lot of the people in this room, it's a compulsion. 
It's in our DNA. It's if, something if that we... Took, it's not even a choice. If you took Bruce Springsteen's record contract away and said, we're never paying you again for another note you're ever going to play, do you think he would stop playing and Look writing Look at McCartney. Why, you I mean, can't get rid of the guy. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. He's just going to gig. Yeah, Dylan, I mean, the guy hasn't stopped since 88. He's just playing. Just playing. You know, we're yeah, talking about really rich dudes, too. But Yeah. Well, but, some people are just road dogs. So I know Van Morrison. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, last time I checked on him, he was doing like 200-some dates a year. <laughs> exactly. But that's just what he does. Yeah. He's good, too. I saw him. I yeah. saw him on TV. He's, he's great. He's fantastic. I mean, it's Van Morrison we're talking about here. I mean, he's he is, you know, they say like the, the Irish Rover or the true journeyman. Talk about a journeyman. I mean, that guy, you know, it's not about the dancing girls or the midi light or the lighting show or anything. It's, it's music. It on is. stage him, at a that's very what you high get level. Out of him. He yeah. loves the blues. Yeah. And he's just going to keep searching through. He's, he's really changed. It blew me away. Van yeah. Morrison. Yeah. He's, I mean, maybe he's not relevant in the sense that Pitchfork thinks he's relevant, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this is Van Morrison we're talking about here. So, uh, and so you, so you, and then you came west with your family. You came here yeah, for music folks, on your own. Yeah, my dad was like the president of RCA and Arista music oh. companies and stuff. He's a songwriter. He wrote like, Brady Bunch songs and produced like Tommy James records and stuff. And nice. I was surrounded by musicians, but not just Tommy there. James Whole was family is musicians. He his big thing was uh, Crimson and Clover, Crimson Moni, and Clover. Moni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, but he's not the Wooly Bully guy. That's Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Correct. Right, right. That's Sam okay. the Sham. I love that Sam the Sham guy. Yeah. The, the 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 Little Red Riding Hood tune. My yeah. band would play that every year on Halloween just because it's the spookiest song we knew. And yeah. <laughs> a wolf howl. Anyway, non sequitur. Uh, class A non sequitur. So, and then you, you, but your folks did try to talk you out of being in no, music. No, no, they were very supportive. The whole family supportive. I, my, I come from a whole family of uh, musicians, you know, like grandmothers, aunts, uncles. My grandma was a little rascal. Uh, you know, my aunt was a recording artist. My uncle. I have like three bass playing cousins and four bass drumming it's cousins. In your blood, Everyone's man. yeah. And when you're little, if when you sing with the family, you get hit if you sing a wrong note. <laughs> like, you know, Aunt yeah. Annie would come over with like a wooden spoon, whack you on the yeah. hand. You were flat. Sing in tune, boy. <laughs> Soupy, how about you, man? Well, um, I really, I never had an epiphany about it, like yeah. so many people. Where'd you grow up, though? In Orange County. And did, this, and this, did growing up in that area have an effect on your music? Or just Not, was it just coincidental that you were, yeah, you were there and you got into it? Yeah, happened to be there. Um, I wanted to play drums since I've had a memory. Yeah. It's, it's always been there. And my parents wouldn't buy me a drum kit. It was too expensive. I wouldn't use it enough. Play the guitar. And they're quite loud. You can play loud. at church. <laughs> you can play at the campfire. They bought me a guitar. It was okay. But I really wanted drums, so. Saved my paper route money and bought my first kit. Yeah. And, um, up to that point, my dad would let me stay up late when Buddy Rich was on the Tonight Show. Uh -huh. Anytime there was a live band, I would key into the drummer. So I knew where the different instruments in the drum kit were and what they were used for. So I'd set up pillows or, you know, whatever, and just bang around and play a record. So I got my first drum kit, and I could play. I had coordination. Yeah. I could play beats. I could play entire songs. And about a week and a half later, I was in a band. <laughs> and... That was, you know, that was it. The first gig was sometime mid-September 1979. And, yeah. Uh, it's and never you stopped. You haven't looked back. I mean, you know, we, uh, I should do a show with just, I could do a show with just you. Yeah. With your you, experience in the business. I mean, for the for <laughs> people out there in Radio Land, this is, this, Mike, Soupy's a legend. Those are stories, man. I mean, you've played in a ton of bands. You've, you've you know, 
big bands, little bands, East Coast, West Coast, around and about. And you know, it's 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 an it's an honor to have you in here Thanks. by yourself. Man. Yeah, I was even an engineer for a while, an audio engineer. I went to school for it just so I would know what was happening on the other side of the glass. Yeah, <laughs> and ended up getting a job yeah. at a tour. We took a yeah. studio tour, and they said, "Hey, you're, you seem pretty interested. Yeah. Why don't you come back?" That's well. It's half the reason I learned to play other instruments because I figured if I was going to be bossing people around in my band, I damn well better know at least how to you know have some kind of comprehension to play their instrument. Like, uh-huh. no, dude, you got to play the third. Talking to the bass guy, and he'd, he'd say, we were talking about the sixth thing earlier, and he would be like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Give me that," <laughs> you know. Let me show you how that's done. So you know, it, but this you know this all this all led us all to the same place, and we we're still up to it, and we're still doing it. And I'm I'm happy that you're doing it, and I'm happy you came here tonight. Thanks, Thanks Joe. So uh, you've got you've you switched guitars. You've got what we would call a regular guitar now right. for the layman, the lay person. And a regular this, guitar. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is an acoustic guitar. It's a beautiful Martin. Manual. A Thank manual you. Yeah, I, I was, a five speed manual. I play I, I play guitar amongst my other gigs. I play guitar with a friend of mine named Scott Bruce, and he's he's an Elvis impersonator. And we we've been at, we play at Disneyland once a month. We play we've been to Asia a couple and uh, um, we played a party for Martin guitar because uh, they were coming up with an Elvis model D twenty eight or something. Was like it that. covered in leather? Yeah, it's got the and binding. It, it everything have to be com- the complete Elvis model. And then the the company just said, you know, if you're ever in the area, they're out in rural Pennsylvania. Nazareth. I've been there. Yeah, I used to go mountain biking there when I lived in New York. Oh, I mean, beautiful. not in the factory, but like, <laughs> it, around that area, there's lots of great mountain biking trails. So, so, and then sure enough, uh, I was doing a gig just a couple of miles away, and and uh, set up a meeting, and, and we picked this one out. And this is the one I play on the air every morning. Nice. And uh, did they give you a deal? They gave me a very sweet deal. I'm very for very very fortunate. Man, I'm gonna have to get hooked up with those Martin people. I could use it. It's sweet. Use a the family. Martin. It's it's CF the. Yeah, fourth. Christian, Chris the fourth, Christian yeah. Martin, the the the, the twelfth. Yeah. So play exactly. play something for us. All right, we're gonna do an Elvis song here. It's one of my favorite Tin Pan Alley songs. It's called Marie's the Name. Uh, one, two, three, four. A very old friend came by today. He was telling everyone in town. Of this new love he had found And Marie's the name Of his latest flame We talked and talked And I heard him say That she had the longest, blackest hair Prettiest green eyes anywhere And Marie's the name Of his latest flame Though I smiled, the tears inside were burning I wished him luck and then he said goodbye And though he was gone, his words kept returning What else was there for me to do but cry? Would you believe that yesterday This girl was in my arms and swore to me She'd be mine eternally and Marie's the name of his latest flame Though I smiled, the tears inside were burning I wished him luck and then he said goodbye And though he was gone, his words had kept returning What else is there for me to do but cry? Would you believe that yesterday this girl was in my arms and swore to me she'd be mine eternally and marie's the name of his latest flame 
Anne Marie's a name, of his latest flame. Anne Marie's a name, of his latest flame. Gene Edwards and his band playing the regular guitar, the Martin guitar, the manual <laughs> guitar, the five-speed guitar. Are you going to play another tune with the, the acoustic? I will. I'll, or? I'll, yeah, I'll do another one with this. Uh, okay. we'll, the next time I have acoustic, so we don't have to do it. Okay, so we'll, we'll stick with this arrangement for for the time right. for the time being. And you know, one thing I'd like to talk about really quickly is yeah. you you guys all make money doing a lot of different things in the business. Yeah. And uh, you know, you mentioned you know the Elvis thing that you did before. You know, that's one thing that's the hallmark of being a musician is being versatile mm-hmm. and being able to pick up on whatever. Can you do this? The answer is yes. It doesn't matter what it is. The first time, you know, I remember. Even if you can. Even if you, yeah, even if you can or cannot. You know, the uh, the first time I, I got to uh, mix a band front of house, you know, I was a kid and oh. I was I had fallen in with my friend's band and we were, they were playing this big show and their front of house guy, MIA, didn't show up mm. and like, you know, hey, Joe, can you run that console? What did I say? A lot of great stories start that yes. way, not just in music. You, you know, know so. no, just just like this, this ties it exactly to what you were talking about, Soupy, a minute ago, which was I had never mixed on a 32 input console, but I had been doing it in my head and had been reading about it and watching it. I had read every book about it cover to cover. So when I sat down and, you know, maybe I had never swept a parametric EQ across a snare drum, but I knew exactly. I mean, it's not like I sat down no, and but, I was George Martin, but I sat down and I knew what I was doing. That's Conceptually, right. I knew it. You, and, pre- you know, you and prepared I'd, for your accident, and I BS'd my way into doing it, and you know, here I am years later. Yeah, sure. I've always said the best way to learn is to put your ass in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, and I've been yeah. doing that with gigs my whole life. Yeah, you know, can you do this gig? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Especially I'm, in my I'm, band. At, I'm at the 405, <laughs> and I'm at the 405, and you know, and, and the 101. 101. Uh, yeah, we got 10, 15 minutes. Okay, I'll be there. I'll see. Yeah. You. <laughs> I'll be be right over. <laughs> You know, and so, you know, so just give me, you know, let's, let's, this another, let's do just a quick round because there's so much talent in this room. There's so much experience and so much diverse, you know, uh, experience in the things that you've done. Give me just a quick rundown that the types of things, Gene, that you do to make money in this business. Well, uh, one of the things that I've gotten really uh, into lately is a, a friend of mine, actually from high school, Tim Jones, really talented guy. He's a film and television, he's a film composer. Uh, and he also does for a, a network show called Chuck. It's going to its fifth season. He scored all the, all the, all the seasons. And uh, he brought me in a few years ago uh, to play some instruments on some stuff. And I just started catching that bug. And I've scored a couple of movies so far. And uh, it's very fulfilling. It's a, it's a whole other craft, you know. Um, it's a different skill. It's a different skill, but and I'm slowly getting there. But uh, it's it's very fulfilling. I've I've taught guitar over the years. I've um, uh, you know done some television. They kind of need you know a, a guy to you know do the play guitar and have my hands replace an actor's hands. You do those sorts of things. Just kind of really odd stuff. So um, I, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. Or well, we're we're gonna we're gonna play a little bit of that in just a second. But okay. first, I want to talk to these other guys to find out what they do, sure. and then we'll circle back around. Just play a little bit of that kind of example of things that you're up to. You know, Davey, you know, you you do a lot of bass. You play in your own band, Neighborhood Bullies. We talked about that before. Um, you're you know you talked before. T- tell me about the gig you were telling me about when we were on the break before about your 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 gravy gig that you had once upon a time. I had a great gig playing. I, I was in a House of Blues house band, and then it turned into uh, touring behind some of the best players ever, like John Lee Hooker. Going out for you know twelve gigs with him, twelve gigs with the Chambers Brothers, Ed yeah. James, Buddy Miles, Buddy Guy. I mean, everyone came through yeah. that sort of thing. And I got a, I was out on the road for a bunch of years. And I mean, I guess I have a house because of that. 
Yeah. You know, um, but you know, you have to do everything. I, I, I mean, I've, I've written. You produce. I produce records, uh, play bass on records, go sing backgrounds on records a lot. Do you have an um, agent? No, I just have been around for long enough that I know a bunch of different producers and engineers and people who need this. And I get a lot of guys' jobs too. So they keep me on their list. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, what, what have I done that's really weird? I've written charts where like uh, the engineer will call me and go, hey man, we got these teenage kids and they got, uh, somebody needs to write the charts out for these guys. They can't remember the parts and stuff like that. Or so I'll do that. Or um, arrange. I've arranged records. Did you graduate from Berkeley? Yeah. Okay, so you went for the full full magna cum laude. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're one of. That's I'm the, one of like the ten. I was gonna say I in was, my class that graduated. I was gonna say eight. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a big dropout thing there. Yeah, you know, and it's, it, it's so many musicians roll in and out. I of dropped there. out. I went yeah. back. Yeah. I, I, I was it was too far from home for me when I was there. Like I I, I hadn't be, I hadn't acquired my like wanderlust yet yeah. when I was there because it was a thousand miles from home and I didn't know anybody. And now, you know, that's I, why I went there because yeah. it was the furthest school geographically from my same home. reason. So, me yeah. too. Yeah. It was. This, I, I got into been, other schools that were closer, but not far enough. I had never yeah. been east of Tucson in my life, and I was. Like, I'm going to Boston. Yeah, <laughs> you need to be far enough away that if you get arrested, your parents don't see your name in your picture. And it worked. On paper. <laughs> I want to go, go somewhere where no one can pronounce my my last name. Yeah, Soupy. How about you, man? You know, I uh, I knew a lot of people that got into top forty bands or played in wedding bands, <clears throat> all sorts of things to make money with their music, um, who weren't necessarily songwriters and um i saw a lot of them resent it i've always had jobs since i was seven years old that's when i had my first job out of the house and um i decided very early on in my career to keep working at a job so that i didn't have to play some crappy wedding gig yeah or some crappy it's top a choice 40 you didn't gig. have to make well and i ended up not resenting music myself or the instrument that i play because of it and i'm still playing today i know many many people who went the other the other way and absolutely hate music, never yeah. touch their instrument, are embarrassed to speak about it. So never speak of this again. I I only play gigs I want to play. Yeah, and I've had many many jobs, and uh, it's been a great ride. I um, unemployed you know, many times, and, but never collected unemployment. And honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how you do it, man. Because I mean, I remember talking to you years past, where you know I'd say, hey, you know what? Are, what are you doing Tuesday? Let's get a beer. And like, oh no, I got a gig. What are you doing Wednesday? Oh, I got a gig. How about Thursday? Got a gig. How about two weeks from Thursday? Got a gig. It's seven like, gigs, yeah. It's right. not uncommon for right. you to play five, six, seven nights a week. Well, yeah, there was a time, um, it's kind of when it hit me, that I had a month or two that I played 25 or 28 gigs yeah. in those months. Um, but that was aside from having a 40-plus right. hour a week job and doing rehearsals, recordings, right. Etc. If you could somehow just do them all in like one or two days, that's then you could just take the rest of the month off. That would be the way. Well, to that's do. kind of my take with uh, any job. If I could work two twenties, I would be more than happy. Yeah. Work two twenties, get it done for the week, and have five more days left. Yeah, our society is kind of screwed up. And in a how monthly we... Carmageddon. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, tie it all in. Five man. day weekend and a monthly Carmageddon. Yeah, uh, you know, but I, I think our, our society, the the way we view work, is a little. Uh, the word i don't say skewed or disjointed or there's 
it's it's like well, work is supposed to be life here, and I don't think I yeah. Think some people obsessive. replace their life. It's they, what, what's that, Davey? It's obsessive. I've lived overseas, you know, and they yeah. like wake up, open the store for a couple hours, and everybody takes like a four-hour lunch. Then they come yeah. back and open up the store and they, for a couple hours. They're no doing okay over there. They're doing all right. <laughs> you know, they've had a few wars, but so have we. You know, so but let's you know we we let's let's come back to Gene real quick. We you know we've we talked a little bit about you know writing music for film. Let's play a little bit of this is a, this is a cover of a Billy Joel well, song. This is from a, a film something that you did. Actually, a fascinating uh, documentary about a um, a guy with hyperthemesia. Do you know what this is? Let's let's play a little bit of it and we'll kind of talk over it. So just, just break for just a second, uh, Jesse. If you'll cue this up, this is a souvenir. This is Eugene. Did you do this at home? Uh, yeah, Brian's on piano. That's and Brian I, I did, Whelan. I, Brian Whelan on of piano. Wheelhouse. We had them on the show. He was yeah. fantastic. And I'm singing the vocal. It's a beautiful song. So let's let's play a little bit of this and we'll you know let's 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 listen for a second. And then we'll kind of talk over it a wee bit. postcard a folded stub a program of the play file away your photographs of your So what, what made you choose this tune? Well, I didn't, actually. The director, Eric Williams, chose it. Uh, it's an early Billy Joel song, and it, it plays over the end of the film. Uh, and he made a movie about his brother, Brad Williams, who's one of nine, I think, people now diagnosed with hyperthemesia, which is a syndrome which they... It's the opposite of amnesia, if you will. They, they, re, they remember virtually everything in their life. I think that... Every one of my girlfriends has that. <laughs> or my ex-girlfriends, I should say. They remember everything I ever said or did. When did I say that? I did not say that. You did so. You said it at 2.14 p.m. on Tuesday the 30th. And it's a very sweet movie. And I've hung out with Brad uh, Sorry. On, on a couple occasions. And, and he's a, a disc jockey. He's an AM news disc yeah. jockey out in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And um, he's uh, just a fascinating guy. And, he's, uh, and, and the movie's called Unforgettable. If you go look that up. Unforgettable. On the Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, uh, Eric, the director, has kind of been a fan of mine, I guess, and, and a friend of mine. And and he said, you know, have you thought of film scoring? And it was right around the time Tim, my friend Tim Jones, said, you know, it's time for you to kind of, he's trying to kick me out of the nest, saying, you should you should try and score a film now. Yeah. <laughs> like the next day, the guy calls me, you ever thought of scoring a film? I said, yeah, let's try this. Um, and so... Uh, that movie, uh, it was just a very, very sweet film. I have, I have really fond memories of the experience of scoring that and, uh, and a, of that song. I just don't know how to play piano well enough. To, it's <laughs> so a, Brian it's a much, much different challenge talking about being diverse. You know, guys, uh, Mark Knopfler, I know, has done yeah. film scoring. And he said, you know, for everything he's ever done in his life, it's the most challenging thing he's ever done musically you was know, you scoring get, for it's, film. You're answering to a different authority now. Uh, for one thing, there's a director who has the ultimate. You've got parameters. You've got all kinds of cues and you've got all actually, kinds of things. I enjoy those parameters and even writing songs for myself. Sometimes I'll, I'll give myself an assignment. I know Dave and I have spoken about this. Sometimes the idea is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force myself to write about this subject matter or I'm going to force myself to write a song in the third person about something. That yeah. I, you, just, you do these, I call them tricks or devices, whatever you want to call them. But boundaries, if you will. Um, and, and it helps. It, it helps me at least, you know. Yeah. Um, like I can't think of any 
great examples right now, but but or week of Sundays was an example. I said I just want to write something with just three chords only. I'd been through all these tricky pop tunes, kind of hard to, you know, you have to teach these songs to musicians, make sure they remember this. It's kind of, you know, the songs can get a little heady. I thought, I just want to write something very simple that we could even just start and, and someone could just join in. That's the CCR exercise. Yes. Who I honestly think is one of the greatest rock and roll bands, greatest bands, period, of, of, of recorded history. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, Fogarty was a respectable guitar player sure. and has got that voice, which nobody sounds like Fogarty. Right. But he's got these songs and they're all pretty simple, but they're all awesome. And uh, they're part of our... They're na- not they're- sort of simple. Listen to Suzy Q. Yeah. It's unbelievably simple. <laughs> yeah, and but it, it works, So though. it gives us no distance between the songwriter's moment of idea of the song... And hearing it, there's like no two weeks working on a guitar part. There's no, no there's nothing. Every band yeah. sounds great. There's, there's no Springste- hiding. Springsteen said this, and he inducted him in the Rock and Roll F- Hall of Fame. He was saying uh, he'd go to a bar in the '80s, and some band would try and be covering one of his songs, and it would there'd be some awkward part about it. Something would be kind of weird. They do a Credence tune, and they sound like the greatest band on the planet. And he said he would just make them so jealous. He would just get so upset, you know. And he just thought that's just that's. That's Fogarty's. That's their genius. Is that? And my dad remembers elegant too, simplicity. My dad remembers going uh, down to Mexico to hear bands, cover bands, and uh, back in the late sixties, early seventies, and, and bands would be sing, doing those songs in Spanish. He said, "Well, other than the lyrics, you'd swear you're hearing the." Dude, record. you've got to do one now. We're just no. I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I can't do that. Oh my god! Uh, I think. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't this station. KCRW once played a, a German language version of Hey Tonight that I'm still trying to find. Oh, man. It's insane. Wow. It's so great. It's great. It's better than Creedence. It's a beautiful language. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Talk about parameters. Yeah. Oi, oi. That's your next challenge is to write a three, a, a two-chord song oh. in German. <laughs> I love song. I, uh, yeah, I love song. I issue that challenge to you, Mr. Mr. I'll, I'll see what I can do. So why don't you, let's say, we've got, we've got this guitar. We've been yammering for a while. I think it's Sorry. time. You've got the acoustic, the, the regular guitar. That's right. Why don't you play us another tune, man? Serenade us. Do, right. do some beautiful music There's for us. There's a very, very British tune here. Uh, it's a Liverpool song. It's called Fairy Cross the Mercy. It's before your time. One, two, three, four. Mm. Life goes on day after day Hearts torn in every way So fairy cross the mercy Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay Everywhere, each with their own secret care. So, fairy, cross the mercy, cause I know you'll take me there, the place I love. People round every corner They seem to smile and say We don't care what your name is, boy We'll never turn you away So I'll continue to say He 
So fairy cross of mercy Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay And here I'll stay And here I'll stay And here I'll stay Eugene Edwards and his band playing a very, very old song, Mercy Beat, correct? A true Mercy yeah. Beat, yes, in every every sense of the word. That's right, and that was, as I understand it, what I learned from music school is like that was the style that very nearly became like the thing that the that the Beatles would have done. Like it was kind of like at that time, it was like the whole scene in England was teetering between the Mercy Beat sound and then like the Beatles type the of thing. Skip, oh, I got you. The arm, and, anything with an R and B influence. Yeah, yeah, and it was like at the time, you know, all the a lot of the music press were thinking oh yeah this this mersey beat thing or this 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 that that thing is going to become the big thing and then the beatles came out and just went Whoosh. that was an amazing force those guys were those are good i i grew up with the beatles stuff um it's funny because my three year my three-year-old she's she's really been into the beatles lately i mean then i i'd co i had a lot to do with it, I, I admit. I think when it, when I have kids, it's going to be it's, it's not going to be introducing. It's going to be more like indoctrination. Indoctrinating. You you absolutely will listen to this. But you know, again, I mean, there there are melodies the with little help from my friend's melody to play it on the piano. You don't even have to move your hand. I mean, I mean, even just transcribe those tunes. There's a the, there's that perfect almost that Bach like simplicity uh, in the melody lines and the. And it's funny because you know, she's responding to what we would think of as the novelty songs, Yellow Submarine or Obladee. Penny Lane with the, the in a way, trumpet, sure, sure. You know? um, and there's value in that. When I'm 64, you know, you know stuff that, because kids, kids latch onto the strangest things, you know. Or, I mean, I don't mean strange, but like things that adults overlook. Um, you know, I remember, you know, my dad growing up was a huge Pink Floyd fan. And one of my first musical memories was Dark Side of the Moon, which you think of this, you know, this kind of concept album about social disease and all these other things. <laughs> but when you're a kid, you know, all that is up there in the ether somewhere. But what you hear are heartbeats and clocks cash and laughter and cash registers and all these sound effects that Pink Floyd put into their music. And that stuff went directly into my DNA. Interesting. All these things that when you're a kid, you because these are things in your day-to-day universe. That so you you're just, walking around with like alarm clocks going off and like yeah. cash registers going off you in know, your head? Yeah, totally. So I had, you know, <laughs> I had songs in seven locked in right from the get-go. I had, you know, concept albums if I want to go that route. <laughs> I've got good guitar solos. I've got interesting you go. songwriting. You know, you could, you could make a case that if you grew up on, you know, or if that was the album that you grew up on. You know, you have been served a healthy helping of a lot of different things that you can draw from. I, I told this story on stage recently, but it, it's a true story. I think about like things that catch kids' attention. And uh, we were in the car, Bianca, my daughter, and I were in the car, and she just ran up and says, Dad, what's the Beautiful House song? And you know, she's in preschool, and I'm trying to think of songs that, like, at that level with Beautiful House in it. And I just like, um, I said, Mija, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know what the Beautiful House song. Can you sing part the of talking it? Talking Heads. She yelled out, you may ask yourself, what is this beautiful house? And I, it was, yeah, it was once in a lifetime. And I, and I realized going back, listening to that record, thinking, that is a funny record. I mean, that is a, that's a truly novel record. And it caught yeah. the attention of this three-year-old. It, I don't even know when she heard it, probably in the car or something like that, but it, she grabbed it. And they're, and you know, kids at that age, they're in right mode. Everything, like a computer, when it's uh-huh. in right that's mode, right. everything that's going in is just imprinting, imprinting, sure. imprinting. It's the first time they've heard any of these things. It's a big, big deal when it's the first time you've heard the Beatles, for God's sakes. My mother, the first, my, you know, I, I've got this, my mother and my father, like they're, they always say, you know, like, you know, from the 60s, you're either Beatles or Stones. 
you know, that's kind of where your influence is drawn from. And my, my dad was the Stones, black leather jacket, motorcycles, and, and that kind of, you know, tougher thing. My mom was the Beatles side. She liked the harmonies. So my mom, when she sat me down, the first thing that she ever played for me on my little Fisher Price, Price uh, plastic record player was, I still remember, I remember the little green apple. Uh-huh. Going around sure. in circles from Apple Core, and but it was but can you the funny thing was it uh, it wasn't like the songs you were talking about before like the ones that kids could latch onto. She played me Revolution. <laughs> God God bless you, Mom, which explains a lot about my Stephen Wright had a great joke you know, about the, my the my ice personality. Cream, the ice cream truck in my neighborhood plays Helter Skelter. <laughs> So, so what, I, what I'd like to do is this, you know, we're, we've gone a little over, but Sorry. that's cool. Because, no, no, I, I kind of intended this to happen because, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a I'm, special, you're a very special guest. You guys are very special guests in the program. You've got a lot of great things to offer. But what I'd like you to do, if it's cool, you know, you're, the, the music is what we're really here about. Right. You've got your electric strap back on. You've put down the regular guitar, which seems to be the theme for the evening. Um, blow through, maybe blow through a couple tunes. Oh, okay. You know, just okay. kind of take us out. We'll come back. We'll talk just a little sure. bit after the break. Right. Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap everything up. You know, play us a tune or two or three we'll, or We'll do a couple of songs from the first record, and, and you'll hear songs like this uh, tomorrow night if you see us over in Culver City or, or next Friday at Molly Malone's. Yeah, man. Show us this, what that Telecaster this, can do. This first song is called Congratulations, My Darling. Ready? hope I remember this one. <laughs> Me too. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Flatbush Duke let you down in the city. Penn Station stub, suitcase in your hand. Never been one to listen to the folks that much. You're alone and scared, it's better. Congratulations, my darling. Walk real tall, don't watch too many talk shows. Your underage is your best piece of jewelry. Never been one to listen to the folks that much. You're alone and scared, it's better. Congratulations, my darling. Don't think of it as being lost You'll never feel better Worry later about the safety net It's better, much better So take that cat to the prime of your life, girl Skip real well, you need it again Never been wanting to listen to the folks that much You're alone and scared, it's better Congratulations, it's better Congratulations, it's better Congratulations, my darling Washington detectives have their theories Somehow they turned a small game into a whole series 
And I'm still searching for a pop hit or miss It doesn't get better than this Sweeter eyes in the weather It doesn't get better It doesn't get better than this The beach is big and sandy And turning up Edwards and his band on Independence Day. You were looking like you wanted to play another one. Is that the case? Here's a short one. At your place. Okay. I used to sing you songs at
clocking in at an economical one minute and 40 seconds. Ah, it's great. It's a very fast song. The great thing about that is I flubbed some lyrics, but it doesn't affect the running time. Yeah? Yeah. No, it doesn't. So, you know, we've got to kind of wrap things up here. We've gone we've gone a little over, but, you know, I, w- I would like to say one thing that I, I, I love about what you do, Eugene, I've always loved about what you do, and this goes for you guys too, but you as the front man of this organization, is yes. that there's a couple theories, you know, there's that whole theory of like leaving an audience wanting more, you know, when, which is like, you know, you, you give sure. them, you, it's like the, you know, the, the uh, James Brown thing with the cape. It's oh. like, oh, no, he's leaving. No, 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 he's coming back. He's leaving, he's coming back. Like, you come from the perspective, which I've, I also really, really enjoy, probably even more, which is give them so much that they can't take anymore. That's, well, yeah. You yeah. know, you know it, that's the Springsteen thing. <laughs> you know, where, like, yeah. I mean, you've Probably. heard these legendary shows where he'll play with the E Street Band, and they'll play for three and a half hours, and then they'll play four, 14 songs for the encore, and it's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's, you know, fish stories. It's grown in legend over time. But No, it's true. I went and saw them. It was <laughs> recently. It's yeah. serious. No, he, and he always made the yeah. case that when they started in the clubs, just like you had to play several sets. Right. By the time they were a headliner act, like that's just kind of the rhythm. Yeah. And, and I, oh, I, I, I like that work ethic where, you know, it's not so, I mean, maybe there is leaving, leaving them wanting more in some kind of like inverted universe kind of bizarro way. But you have beat them into submission in, and they, they have to go home now because they're spent and you're spent and it's that's a wonderful communal experience. You're hoping for that. I, I, that's, you're hoping for that. I love looking out and the audience is breaking a sweat. That's great. Yeah, it's and great. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So, I, I, Supi, yes, you've got something to add to this? The audience realizing that you have given them all you've got. Yeah. And they're satisfied. They're not going to keep asking for more. If they see right. you up there kind of half-assing it, they're going to want more. Come yeah. on, give me something. Come on, give me Show something. Me something. Or they'll walk away knowing that <laughs> you weren't, they were just yeah. half. Yeah. 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 So, again, you know, we're going we're gonna to wrap things up. And thank you guys so much for coming out here, you thank know, you spending your time. Thank you for having the show, by the way. Thank you. I hope, I hope you long success with this show. I, everyone, thank you. All my buddies that have done it, they, they love it. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. Um, you really are, Joe. You're great. I'm very impressed. Just, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that means a lot. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't mean to act surprised when we said that, by the way. I'm gonna pre- no, I'm gonna no, pretend I didn't notice. No, that. I think you've, you've and, you've, and it's a nice studio too, and a totally hip crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. Very, very, well, very you know, we'll do some credits here in just a second. Okay. Thank you very much. You know, come Thank when you. the record comes out, maybe come back. That would be you a know? joy. I mean, you know, not like next week if it comes out next week, but you know, if it if it's a, if it, <laughs> no, I'm bumping people. <laughs> if it if it happens, you know, like you said, around the holiday gift giving season, oh, you know, when doing. the record comes out, you know, if it's if it's a few months away, which it sounds like it probably is, you know, we're just really, honestly just kind of ironing out the artwork. Tell and, you what, I give mean, it to me. Close. I'll have it done in two weeks. Well, that's right. I know, David. Again, that's your that's your what the ethic that you espouse. Like, you know, if this is your record, David, they would you guys would have released fifteen albums in this yeah. span of time. <laughs> Wouldn't even have mixed it. Just here, it's out. Go. It's done. It's done. Rough yeah. mix. Sound good. Indeed. Print it. So again, Gene, Davey, thanks, Joe, Soupy. Thank you so very much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. But real quick, you've got a couple shows coming up. You can mention these. We've got at Cinema Bar tomorrow night, uh, right about this time. Well, not you won't be on quite yet. Both you know, Dave, both uh, Davey Span. Uh, neighborhood Bullies That's and right. Eugene Edwards and you guys the overlap makes gear sharing a yeah. little easier. Well, it's the same band, same just diff- it's like the rock pile thing where there's yeah. just different singers. It's, yeah, it's like a house band for the night. You can't and I can't speak highly enough of Cinema Bar. You know, parking is easy. It's kind of a hike for those of us Eastsiders, but it's a great place to Worth see it. a band. the The staff is great. You know, you can pack the place and it's got a great energy. So go to the Cinema Bar. Go see these guys tomorrow night. It's easy to get to too. And it's yeah, easy to know, get even to, even though it's out in Culver City. 
It's, it's the best. real, really easy. Yeah. And my right my, my my favorite like crazy not that the tacos from the Tito's that's right around the you corner. Go to yeah, but I like yeah. Cinco I like de Mayo. Cinco. Really? This, a, this yeah. is a tough. That's it's, a, this is a big dividing line. Which one is Cinco de Mayo? Cinco de Mayo is the less famous one with the way better food. Right, and it's next, next to Johnny's Frank. Yeah. Right. Okay, but you know, but for me, it's it's not so much that I'm in love with Tito's tacos. It's that they're kind of strangely unique. Like they've got this weird thing going on with like the completely viscous sal- uh, 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 salsa is like foamy almost, yeah. and then they've got this viscous guacamole soup kind of thing. And the tacos, there's almost nothing on them. It's like this super crunchy thing that always destroys my mouth when I eat it. If you come down tomorrow night, yeah. we'll take you to Tito's and Cinco de Mayo. We'll do a little thing. Well, you, he's- well here's the thing. We're we're getting to that. Yeah. Actually, I, I this is it's I shouldn't be promoting your show tomorrow night. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, <laughs> because it's counterproductive. Got, I have a very big event tomorrow night. i I'm doing a show at KPCC and not performing it, but I'm hosting an event called Jam and Banter with a band called Leftover Cuties, who are a cabaret pop Edith Piaf kind of thing. They're a really, really great yeah. band. Again, no matter where this band is playing, you guys should go out and check out this band. We had them on Independence Day low these maybe two or three months ago and they're fantastic. So they're coming out to play the show show. It is in the beautiful Crawford Family Forum, which is KPC's community engagement room. It's a beautiful room. It's a great place to do. uh, We've had political debates in there. We've had shuttle launches in there. We've had bands in there. You know, it's not a live music venue per se. So this is going to be a very, very interesting like music event as well as discussion. We've got a guy named Nick Bobetsky, who's he's a a band manager guy. He's going to come in and talk about the the music business. Uh, You know, kind of like this, except from the industry perspective. And the leftover cuties are going to play a set. The event is completely free. So all you have to do is go to RSVP at the KPCC events page or go to uh, independenceday.com. Well, actually, I'm sorry. It's joearmstrong.com slash ID is our current URL. That may be changing soon. Uh, and it will, there's a link there which will take you to the Jam and Banter page where you can then RSVP. So as much as I would like you to go see Eugene's show tomorrow night, which you should really do. Actually, you can do either you one. You have the options or you, you have You have one. many options. We don't, we don't go on until like 11. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe you know, maybe maybe I'll make it to the hey, show. Love, that we'll we'll see. I would and love to come out. If you do Cinco de Mayo versus Tito's, yeah, and then you can broadcast. You can talk about we it. We can on talk your show. about it. We yeah. can talk about it's it. It's a Mexico taco standoff. Um, <laughs> hey. Also, you could also go to Eugene. No, too late. No, go to no, EugeneEdwards.com no, no. for all the info, right. or follow me on Twitter. EugeneEdwards25 is the handle. Uh-huh. Uh and uh, it, but it's, uh, send me an email through my website. I'll put you on the, the mailing list. I'll let you know once we get the Kickstarter thing going how you can get involved in getting the record early and all that stuff. Yeah, and, and keep me you know keep me abreast of developments because I, I I can relay it to our legion of fans out there in Radio Land as well. And Davey, this goes for you too. What's the Bullies website? Are you guys MySpace or do you have a whole your own thing? Well, uh, we have a Neighborhood Bullies Facebook page. Okay, so you can look us up like that, or we have theneighborhoodbullies.com. And it's B U L L Y S. Yeah, how do you know that? I know, I know lots of I things. I misspelled man. it. It's been a curse. No, it's good. <laughs> no, it's good. I thought that was the hook. I, I thought it was I the hook. I thought that's too. how it was spelled. <laughs> well, it is for you. <laughs> so, and then, Soupy, are you playing, you know, you've got something other than what this gig coming up? Are you playing other folks these days or just kind of? Yeah, here and there, but um, I've really kind of let the music take a backseat to life in general because there's more out there. And uh, I've really been focusing on the quality of gigs rather than the quantity of gigs because you know those 28 gig months yeah they were fun but i really can't remember them yeah and it wasn't a lot of fun playing them even though i think i did okay um it just wasn't very pleasant so i want to just 
focus on quality rather than quantity. You know what? And that's a good problem to have, man. Being yeah. able to choose your gig, that's a good problem to have. So, yeah. again, gentlemen, thank you so much. You're playing tomorrow night at Cinema Bar. That is uh, 3967 Sepulveda Boulevard. That's in Culver City. A great, again, it's a great place to see a band. And the drinks aren't expensive in there, which is also no, nice. No. Uh, also, uh, big news, you're playing the IPO, the International Pop overthrow in LA that is going to be Friday the 29th at 8 p.m. a bunch of other bands on that bill yeah. as well that's at Molly Malone's which is uh, 575 South Fairfax anything to add about that real quick uh, that's a that's a big show it's a festival that's gone forever we've been playing IPO festivals we we played uh, in Liverpool at the Cavern uh, for IPO we've done we've gone to Chicago with it we've done San Francisco we always play LA uh, San Diego we did last year so uh, and they need a big crowd for that it's a lot of great music a lot of great bands they run a very efficient lineup uh, we'd love to see everybody we go on at what 8 o'clock it looks like 8 o'clock is the 8 o'clock so we're in the early bands so you know get a sitter Molly Malone's is a great place for sound to see yeah. band. Actually, the yeah, bands sound amazing there yeah they really do I've, I've played in there too and but it's, if you walk into the bar and don't hear any music that's because there's a door so yeah. you gotta go walk all the way to the back and open the door in case you don't hear the music yeah. you'll, you'll figure it out people yeah it's 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 yeah it's a cool place to it's a good place to be in all but parking is a little more daunting in that area when I get over there I have carpool everyone I have a yeah carpool everybody take public transportation if that's even possible ride your bike the the jack in the box closes at like a <laughs> ten or something you can park yeah. in their parking lot oh very that inside information that's good to know so again tomorrow night Eugene Edwards and neighborhood bullies at Culver City's uh, cinema bar. Also, if you're not in the mood to drive to Culver City, please come to Pasadena. RSVP yes. at the KPCC events page for Jam and Banter with Leftover Cuties and yours truly. I will be hosting that event. 7.30 is the time for that. It goes from 7.30 until 9. And then uh, I just might grab a pint at Lucky Baldwin's afterwards. So please come That's join me for plan. that as well. Uh, you can follow Eugene's stuff, www.eugeneedwards.com. You can learn about everything for Independence Day at joearmstrong.com slash ID. And we also have a Twitter handle that is at Indepday, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y. So you can get all kinds of timely and short announcements about everything we're up to on that program. Let's see here. Next week on Independence Day, film scoring ace Don Bowden talks about getting music out of your studio and onto screens of all sizes. Thank you once again to Eugene Edwards and his band. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski. Also to Valentina Rivera and engineers Jesse Lopez and Victor Conejo from Lancer Radio. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another. If you change your mind, take a chance on the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Gonna be around. If you got no place to go, when you're feeling down. If you're all alone, when the pretty birds have flown, honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. You have tuned in to a web-exclusive track. This is Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. We've had a wonderful, wonderful time talking to Eugene Edwards and his band, Davey Michelle, and uh, Mike. I keep wanting to call you Eugene, man. Uh, Mike Soupy Sessa, the legend on drums. And they were very, very gracious enough to stick around just a little bit longer in our studios here on PCC's campus at Lancer Radio to give us just a little, uh, little taste of something else for you people on the internets. So, Eugene, please take it away. I 
used to sing you songs at your place Now I feel that I don't belong at your place I don't feel like it never win Keep taking shots on the chin Do you think you'll ever bust me into your place? I left all of my best tapes at your place And now I'm dropping off sour grapes at your place It's not enough to reminisce About the couch and I first kiss At your place you're all alone at your place I can't get past the dial tone to your place don't get back get back this key stupid things still comforts me are you keeping present company at your place at your place at your place at your place thank you gentlemen have a wonderful evening <laughs>